Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. Excited to have you here today for another great episode. I'm your host, Dino Watt, and I am excited to share with you uh, always the best practices that you can have in your practice. Always bringing you guests that I think are going to add more and more value to you. I also want to give a big shout out to all of our uh, listeners who are sharing this podcast with their friends and colleagues. As always, that's the way that we grow. We are over, I think we're over 110 episodes at this point, And we're just, that's all because of you, because you continue to listen, you continue to share this with your friends and colleagues. And we really appreciate that. On today's episode, we are going to talk with MGE management experts. And I was actually lucky enough to, you probably have noticed if you're listening to this show uh, consistently, that over the last couple of episodes, I've been having guests on that I've met at Smiles at Sea even. I've talked about Smiles at Sea a few times. And I was able to meet Anthony. I actually watched him speak and the similarities between our lives and how we've come to be in this industry are shockingly scary. And so I went up to him, talked to him at his booth, and I said, we need to have a conversation. And then we had a conversation after the event. And today I brought him and his uh, partner, business partner, I should say, and Jeff Santone together on the show. So welcome both of you to the show, Anthony and Jeff. I'm really glad to have you both here. Thank you, Dino. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it is crazy, the similarities of our stories. So I I appreciate it. This is great. Yeah, I don't think most people know that I was a circus clown at one point. And so, no, I'm just kidding. But many people know, <laughs> many people know that I was, I started off wanting to be an actor and I, that was my whole goal in life. I was a dancer growing up. I was the only dancer in like the Tri-City area in my little town in you know, Southern California. And that was my goal in life. I got to work for Disney and I did work in the movie industry, but it just wasn't conducive to being a dad and wanting to be around my kids. And making money was one of those weird things I needed to do. And <laughs> acting just wasn't always the best thing to do. So I, I put, pivoted as you did as well. And so it was just cool to hear that story and to see that we both under, got to recognize that we could still use some of those talents and some of those passions in what we do today. And we want to dive into that for sure. But before we get into all of that, as we do on every episode of the Propreneur podcast, is we talk about story. I think story connects everyone. And so Anthony and Jeff, if you guys can take turns just telling me and uh, telling the audience your story of how you got here and what is it that you do? Okay, go ahead, Jeff. Why don't you tell your story first? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Dino, for having us. Uh, but um, story, let's see. Uh, I've I was big into business, worked on Wall Street, worked at the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, never thought I'd end up here. Wow. Uh, end up meeting uh, my wife, Virginia, oral surgeon. And uh, I somehow get talked into joining the practice and helping her. And uh, we took a practice that uh, was very much insurance-based. You know, we had, I think, uh, at the time, eight PPOs, um, two HMOs in the practice, uh, so a lot of production, but a lot of write-offs were in a, you know, a big city and it cost a lot to be there. And we found MGE through a colleague who said, Hey, listen, these guys helped us out with getting our practice to be successful. Maybe you should look into them. So we started there in 2007 and we took our $600,000 a year practice 
uh, and collections, 850 in production. And, and you know what I'm talking about, right? Do you know when I talk production? Yep. Yeah, you know. Everybody me. listening. So Everybody knows, right? So right off an adjustment. Yeah. And um, we took it to a, a $2.5 million practice in four years, completely fee for service uh, with just her, just one surgeon, eight staff members. We worked four days a week. And uh, we had a lot of fun. We built a brand new office. We then ventured out into general practices and I've worked a couple others. And during that time, MG just asked if I'd like to speak for them. They go around the country delivering free seminars. And so I'm fully trained. I don't need to be at the office. And that's what I do. So I ended up speaking for MG. I really enjoy speaking for MGE because without the training to run the business, uh, we wouldn't have had the practice or have the practice that we that we had through those times. So it's fantastic. And everybody needs some help, you know, especially on the business yeah. side of dentistry. And, th- and that's how I ended up here. So now I'm speaking to doctors all the time about how to take control of the practice. Interesting. Uh, first of all, I love how you said like somehow or another, I ended up working in the practice. The somehow or another is your wife's name, most likely. And <laughs> that you, you like being a happily married man. The second of all, I think it's fascinating that you come from a business background. I don't know if I'm sure you had the same experience as I did in the sense of when I got in this industry, I was shocked at how poorly prepared all of these doctors were to run a business and be entrepreneurs. And that I think it's almost malpractice that they don't teach it in school. So did you feel the same way? I, uh, yes, I went through four years of undergraduate. I went through advanced degrees, training all in business years and years of it. And I learned one thing, uh, don't open your own business. And I have, yeah, right. <laughs> I have my, I have business training and here I'm, yeah. I'm talking to Virginia and she's got four years of undergraduate, four years of G, you know, general dentistry, six years of, of oral surgery. What do you know about business? Nothing. And then they set you Nothing. loose and go open a practice. And so you're right. It's a little bit of a, it's a setup to failure, but it's also, it's a testament to how great these clinical skill sets must be I yeah. mean, that they don't know how to run a business and they're still open. You know, right. 20% of all businesses are going to fail in the first year, 30% in year two, 50% by year five, 70% by year 10. And these guys are in business. So they're doing something so great with their clinical skill sets that if they could just even out that business side a little bit, right. A little gasoline on the business side. They'd be great. Totally good. Yes. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jeff. That's awesome. That's so, so cool. All right, Anthony, your turn. So, okay. So as, uh, as mentioned earlier, I started out going, I want to, I want to, you know, be an actor, but it was, I got to sing. I got to dance. I got to dance. I got to sing. That's (laughs) it. You know? And, and, but it was actually, you know, because when I was really young, I saw a lot of poor people in, in Detroit and around the world. I'm like, wow, this is insane. And so my goal was to make millions of dollars and mm. give it to the poor. And that's what I was going to do. And I was going to do it through acting. And so I went to Hollywood and I started doing TV and movies. I did a, I did a, a movie and I was the lead and Erica Strada from Chips was a bit part. Nice. And it, it was awesome. You know, I started signing autographs. What was that? Poncherello. Poncherello. Yeah. Ponch was in the house. <laughs> so, and that was, you know, I started signing autographs and that was a lot of fun. And, and then, but then I had a, you know, I got in a car crash and, and, and all of a sudden a friend, a neighbor helped me uh, recover pretty rapidly. And I was like, wow, actually, you know, my purpose is to help. I don't need to make millions to help. I can help right now. 
And so I started doing volunteer work for like the next 15 years. Wow. And, um, and then, uh, you know, I was like, okay, time to make, have a family and, um, volunteer work doesn't pay for family that well. So I was like, okay, time to make some income. And a friend of a friend said, Hey, we need a sales executive. And I'd done lots of sales. You know, when I was a teenager doing door to door sales. So we need a sales executive at this company. And so I flew in town and checked it out and, and uh, joined up with them. And it happened to be a dental uh, orthodontic, you know, uh, manufacturer. Uh, it was actually when ClearCorrect, that's the name of the company, had about 400 dentists and it was just starting off. And I came on board as the chief marketing officer and was that for nine years and grew the company to about 20,000 20, plus providers internationally. And we sold the company. What was great though, is we used tons of money to donate towards creating wells and um, you know, where poor people didn't have any, you know, water. And so we did tons of good things and that was awesome. But then that changed, uh, with the new ownership. And so I was, it was time to look for a new game and how I got to MGU was this, I had, I'd met thousands of dentists. I love dentists because they're good people. And, um, and I hired three different companies while I was at ClearCorrect to help them with marketing, to help them grow their companies. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't impressed with the results. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was looking for my new game, a friend of mine called me up and said, hey, come on down to this company. They train dentists how to be CEOs and they have amazing results. I'm like, really? And it's not consultants, it's a training company. So I said, okay, I'll check it out. And I flew in town and first thing I see is about a, a seminar room that has about 500 dentists and staff in it, which was itself pretty amazing. And, um, and I interviewed that day, 12 different doctors. And I said, wow. tell me your life before MGE training and afterwards. And I was blown away. I mean, I think the lowest percent increase was 20% increase. Wow. And, uh, you know, and, but I've just, the stories were just phenomenal. And so after hearing that and, you know, the goal, the purpose of MGE is to actually improve the dentist so much that they can affect their environment and help others around them. And so uh, their clients are in the top 1% of the U.S. and Canada. And with their success, they reach out and help the community in whatever the way they want to. And so after talking with the 12 of these doctors and seeing what they're doing now to help others around them, I was like, that's it. I'm on board. So I've been here for two years and it's just been amazing. I, I love wow. it. That's yeah. way cool. That's great. I love seeing journeys of uh, things that are like-minded or like-intended that you actually gravitate towards. And here you go. You're in this yeah. space of where you started out wanting to help people and wanting to you know, give back. And here you're doing that in this way. So that's really, yeah. really cool. I yeah. got to ask, because I know everybody's asking. I know everybody is going to be texting me saying, how come you didn't ask this question? What's the name of the movie? Oh, <laughs> so it was a movie. It was called A Party Called Earth, and it was for Nickelodeon. A Party and, Called um, Earth. Yeah, that, A Party Called Earth. That, that says Blockbuster all over it. Like that. That's obviously, <laughs> wow. No, it was a total B movie. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. Did uh, you have it? Did you have a stage name or was it? Oh, geez. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing but like i start out in the movie and i'm blue makeup like literally i'm all blue because i was an alien right and uh coming to earth and i start out driving this porsche in the hollywood hills with a camera right there and it, it was wild it was uh 
Yeah, that was like wow a long time ago. So please do not look at that movie. That was uh, oh, absolutely- I'm so looking it up. That better be on YouTube. We're gonna have a YouTube watch party later. Oh man, that was that was really funny. Wow, I'm gonna be I'm gonna become I'm gonna become your uh, fan club president there and see what I can create for that. That's awesome. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about what MGE does specifically. Um, why it's different? What's the secret sauce? Like when you have talking to people and you've got twenty percent increases and more, and you have Jeff, your story of being able to see a huge turnaround. And by the way, I love that you had the qualifier of like one doctor, eight team members, because I know a lot of guys think, hey, in order for me to get four million in production. I've got to be, you know, adding team members. I got to be adding days. Yeah, sure. I can do, I hear this, right? I sure I could do 4 million if I was, you know, working four to five days a week. And if I was, you know, working open on Saturdays and stuff like that, what it does MG do specifically and, and what's the secret sauce? So Jeff, you want to answer that since you actually did all the training yourself? Yeah. Um, I would say the one big difference that changed for our practice, and it's the thing we still teach now, if you come to any of the free seminars that we offer, any to any of the new patient workshop, case acceptance type stuff. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with Virginia's, Virginia's clinical skill set, but what she wasn't really good at was getting the patient to want what they need. And uh, this is the only group I've seen out there that teaches that a dentist should sell their product. You know, the owner should be able to sell their product. So important. And uh, when when we made that small transition and you, you have to get over that dirty word of sales and what is sales and, you know, it's and everybody's selling something, you know, the shirt. Hey, everybody, all life is sales. You bet. Life is a sell, you know, and so it's just that they're taught they shouldn't talk numbers. And what MG is, see, is teaching is, no, you need to talk numbers, not because you're trying to get money from the patient, but you know, everybody wants it till they hear how much it costs, you know, and, and that was the big thing. Virginia, how's your case acceptance? Oh, it's really good. It's fantastic. Well, then why are we doing what we're doing? Well, no one pays. No one shows up. I said, yeah, but then where are you getting paid? Well, they tell me they want to do it. I was like, well, yeah. yeah. So when we changed to, well, let's put you back into the sales equation, the practice took off. And, and the awesome thing was, is once she was qualified, to sell. Once she knew she could, she no longer had to. Mm, right. Now is the secret. Yeah. It's very interesting. That's, that's, that's a great secret that a lot of people don't get. And I love, I love sales. I love the aspect of them. I love what it does for us. Like you said, everything is sales from selling your kids on eating breakfast to, to you know, whatever, selling your that's wife right. or going on a date to anything right. in life is a sale. Right. And so to get the idea that once you once you are, as you said, qualified, what a great word. I, you're qualify yourself to know, I know what I'm talking about. I know how to ask people for money. I know how to overcome those objections. All of a sudden, those things fall by the wayside. It's not a task anymore. It's just who you are. That's right. And it just makes it so much easier. Anthony, when we when you think about the secret sauce, would you say it's around the same thing around sales or is there yeah, more? You know, I before I started working here, I had to see it for myself. And so I did one of the seminars. And as soon as I did it, like three hours in, I was like, oh, no wonder these doctors are doubling, tripling, quadrupling their practice, Mm -hmm. because it's exactly that. They've been taught in schools, you do not, you know, sell, 
That's what they're taught. They're taught. Oh yeah. You do not talk money with your patient because they think you're money motivated. All basically, they've been given all false information. That it's so funny that you just said them. that, though, Anthony. It's so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you're like they think they're money motivated. Well, what other motivation is there to own a business? Like that's so crazy, right? To think that they've been taught not to be money motivated. And yeah. I don't know. Like I, I use the example all the time about Mother Teresa and how people think that she was so poor and all sorts of like that girl died girl like that I'm, I'm disrespectful okay that that <laughs> woman she died having multi-millions in bank accounts for the corporations because she understood you can't feed the poor with good thoughts it's like you're saying jeff right when you're when she, when you're talking virginia and saying well how do you know well they said they wanted it they said yes but uh, they can say yes all day long but till they hand you the credit card it's a no that's right yeah so anthony i sorry to interrupt you but i totally oh, no. agree with you that's so no. crazy right it is. It's crazy. They're taught not to sell. And and what's and what's crazy is some of these consultants say the same thing. Like I met one doctor, Dr. Um, Sambal Nakvi, and she told me she she spent a year or two years and spent tens of thousands of dollars on two different consultants. And they both told her that she has to move. And yet she's got five years left on her practice in her in her lease. And they said after after she gave them like over fifty thousand dollars, uh, you have to move. Sorry. And there's nothing else I can do for you. And she you have came to move because all because the it was a bad location up, because, because people because don't want dental work. Like that seems really weird. She was told that uh, she has low patient IQ. Like the patients in that in her area have oh, it's low a patient's patient IQ. Fault. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's nothing that they could do for her. It was two different consultants, and there's nothing they could do. And they said you have to move. And she's got five years left on her lease, and her break even was forty thousand. She just made twenty thousand. She was. She was about to file bankruptcy. And then a friend of hers said, found out about this, said, wait a minute, you've got to try MGE. And this is one of the doctors that I interviewed. And she said, after three days of training, learning how to sell, she came back to the same low, you know, IQ patients and doubled her practice within 30 days. I'm not surprised. And then she paid, she was six months behind in rent. She paid all the back rent within the next month. And it's just been an upswing ever since. And now she's happy as a clam, achieving her goals. And it's because of she was taught how to communicate effectively with patients who give a barrier because they do. I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have this. And no one drills doctors how to handle these objections ever. And so that's what we do. We drill them. Drill them, so drill them. Let, me, let me ask you like how you guys feel about this. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that you're on the same page of, of, of what I feel of tell me the difference in your guys world of presenting a case versus closing a case. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, that's pr- presentations, the education. Like I need to know why I'm going to spend $5,000, but that's presentation. Closing is going, good. How do you want to pay for it? Right. And now we're into, okay, what's the real reason you don't want it? What's the real, uh, you know, objection behind this? Is it, it's never time. It's not money. It's not insurance because these guys show up in pain three months later and they don't care about any of that stuff. Yep. And they're willing to plop down $5,000 or $1,000 or $500, whatever it is. So it's the presentation doctors give themselves nine tens. And then I ask, well, what, what's your case acceptance rate? One, most of them don't even know it. Right. That's problem yeah. number one. But the ones that do track it, they're, uh, you know, like 30, 40%, which is probably an overestimate, but 
I'm like, well, how are you a 10, but only a 40%? Like those two things can't match up. And so I, I think we're probably on the same page where education is the presentation. I need to know what it is and how much, sure. it, but yep. closing it is you got to pay for it. It's not sold until it's paid for. How often do you see people get so stuck up on that education part, their presentation that they, they think that the better they can educate somebody, the more they'll say yes. As opposed <laughs> all the time. Oh, that's right? like all a, the time. 100% of the problem. And uh, I think it's like, you know, a, a guy says to a, you know, patient sits down and doctor goes, look, it's two crowns, it's 2000 bucks. And the patient goes, I don't have any money. And they go, well, it's going to cost more in the future if we don't handle it now. And I was like, but the guy just told you he has no money. Why are you trying to tell him? Like it, it's an answer, no answer type deal. And right. It, they're not handling the objection. And if they would just sit down and listen and really like, okay, I got it. And really acknowledge this patient of what they're saying, they would actually get into what's the real reason behind it. So the, the challenge I see so often is these guys love to, like if we were to equate this to dating, right? I haven't been dating in the dating pool for 26, seven years, eight years, mm-hmm. but I still know the principle of no matter how good you talk yourself up, And no matter how good you talk them up, oh, you're amazing, you're gorgeous, you're wonderful, I'm awesome, I'm wealthy, whatever, until you actually ask them on the date, they're not going to say yes. Like, there's no principle. There's no way they can say (laughs) it. But doctors sit there and date and try to spew more information, more education, more education Mm -hmm. on them, even fear-based education of like, you know, this will kill you if you don't do this, right? You know, it's, it's like but ask, asking for it. Anthony, you're going to say something about that. No, I mean, that really is the secret sauce is they've never been trained on how to sell ever. And they think education is selling and it's not. Well, let's talk about the pushback though, right? Because you, I know you guys get pushback of this. So like, but I, I, uh, th- here's my favorite. My results will sell themselves. <laughs> like, how, oh yeah, how, you nailed it. You how nailed good it. I am. How good I spread like wildfire and everybody's going to come to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and this is the cool thing about MGE is that when a doctor comes on board um, or is interested in our services, we don't tell them, you know, what they need to do. We ask them, well, what's your goal? Mm. What, what are your, you want? Yep. Because maybe the doctor just simply wants more time for his family. Yep. Or maybe he does want more income. Maybe his, his profitability is horrible. So we find out, well, what is your goal? Do you want to 5X your production or do you want to work, you know, three days a week instead of five and make the same amount of income? It's whatever that doctor's goal is, is what we then go, okay, good. So you're not achieving that now. How important is it for you to achieve that goal? If it's important enough, then they're going to take the time to get trained and educated in the business side of dentistry, which is what they're missing. Mm -hmm. So true. Tell me about the, um, the pushback that you get in the sense of, I don't want to focus on sales. I want to focus on being a good practitioner. How do you overcome that mindset piece? Because I believe sales really is a mindset. It really is about overcoming those past objections that you have about yourself and so much of our own objections. I actually just did this recently on a a little Instagram post where I talked about 
the five um, unpleasant truths that owners need to hear. And I say that the, the objection you, I basically say this, the objection that you give is the objection you're going to get. So if you're somebody who, when you go to buy something or say, and you're like, well, let me go talk to my wife about this. And, oh, well, you know, I, I don't buy things on the first time I hear about it. I always take some time to think about it. And then <laughs> if people are saying that back to you, you have no right to get upset about them. And you probably agree with it. Yeah, right. So how do you overcome that mindset piece, Jeff? Um, I tell doctors, you know, it's funny because I do this. I ask them, you know, when did you realize you became a business owner more than you were a clinical doctor? You know, and, and my really smart guys, you know, most of them actually answer by year one. End of year one, I realized I was no longer a dentist. I was more a business owner. And if they can make that, if they can make that realization, these are our clients, Right. The guys that can't make that realization, they don't end up becoming our clients because to them, they are going to hire the 20 year old at the front desk to sell their services. And, you know, I tell these guys all the time where it's like, you know, dentistry is one of the biggest setups out there. You know, you go through school, you totally. get a degree and they hand you your license after you pass all your tests and you qualify and they go, you're now able to deliver dentistry. And that's just not true. You don't get to deliver the dentistry you know. You only get to deliver the dentistry you know how to sell. So mm -hmm. if you can't sell it, taking all these extra courses on ortho, on endo, on implants, that's just a waste of money for the business. You're, you're heavy into debt for a CBCT for all of those things. You're going to pay full price. And, and it's not going to go the way you think it is. You can't sell what you're an expert in already. What's the likelihood a 10-day course is going to get you to do something else? So I tell these guys, if you'd like to improve your clinical skill set, you have to do more of it. To do more of it, you got to get your patients to want it, you know? And so that's the sales aspect. If you'd like to be an expert, you've got to sell your services. How many of the, how many of, of the people come to you, like they just bought the $250,000 laser and they're realizing, oh, this isn't doing me any good. I need to know how to actually get people to, like fear-based sales of like, oh crap. It's kind of like that moment where you realize you have to feed your children. Like you have to get a job to feed your children, right? Change things. Right. <laughs> are, are, do you have that type of situation where people are coming to you in fear of like, I got I just bought this huge laser, which by the way, obviously we all know they should have actually come to you before they bought the laser because right. it's not the laser that's going to do anything, but they do. They go and they buy the toy. They buy the gadget thinking they can claim to have the best technology and nobody cares about that except for them. Right. But- they come to you in that fear. How often does that happen? I, I, Anthony, I don't, I, we don't actually hear like, I just bought this. I need to learn how to get it. You, they see to them, that's their solution. Yes. Right. Totally. Things are going wrong. What do the I Realization need? of not the solution is when right. they right. come to you. Things are going bad. What, what do you need? A Syrac, you know, like, oh, right. wait, what? Yeah, they don't, they don't realize uh, the cause of their problems. Yeah. Yes. They don't They're dealing with the symptom. They try to focus yeah. on the symptom. Right? Exactly. And so then after typically uh, an hour of our seminar, they're starting to realize, okay, yeah, I don't know business. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned earlier, Jeff, about like somebody realizing they're a business owner. I have this whole thing around. There's difference between being a business owner and a business operator. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how do you help them come to that realization that the operation is not where the money is, but the ownership is. The operation is not where they're going to find lasting success, but the ownership is. How do you get them to kind of have that mind shift shift? 
you know, that's, that's probably, it's, it's in a step, it's in a gradient form, you know, like uh, you can't, you, we're not trying to move them because that's a big leap for these guys to just go, how do I get out of the, how do I go from chair side to CEO, you know, like, right. and to them, that's such a wide gap that a lot of guys are most of our clients, I would say, have a hard time seeing that. Of course, we get clients at start that are doing fantastic numbers and they're just like, I'd like to do more and I'd do that. But if we give them just a little bit like, look, own, own the marketing aspect. Good. You know how to find quality patients. Good. Now own the sales aspect. You know how to sell. Good. You're starting to lift yourself out of the operation, right? And so the more you get to do down in the operation, the more you can show them like, look, get rid of that. Get rid of this. Get rid- oh, wow. You're a CEO now. You know, and so it's almost like smoke and mirrors type mm-hmm. of deal. Because if you were to try to tell them, like, you know, yeah, like imagine at the beginning of their dental program, like, you know, if they hadn't committed to and paid, like, this is what you're going to end up being able to do. They'd be like, well, I don't mm, probably not going to get there. You know, right. like, it's a four year process to do all that and lots of training. So we tell them, like, you could be a CEO. But changing their mindset is a little bit of showing them the doing this is on these certain areas of the business that allow them to turn it over and get rid of it, which is the most important part. You know, I don't think any dentist wants to be down in the day-to-day operations. You know, if you ask them their long-term, sure, I would love to be a CEO, would love to be a business owner who just watches it and manages it and cherry picks cases if that's what they want, but they need an option. You know, right now, most of them don't have a choice. They have no other choice, but to be chair side. Uh, 40 hours. That's that's really an important cue. I hope everybody got that is that they need to have options. Like when you aren't feeling like you have options is when you have, when you do desperate stuff and you do stupid things, but knowing that you have those options are, are, is key. Um, Anthony, I'd love to hear some, some kind of success stories of what you've seen. Obviously we have Jeff here who is a living success story, obviously joined the company because of that. But what I'd love to, I obviously you guys have seen some dramatic, dramatic changes from people. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you one, because one of the doctors that I interviewed um, when I, before I started working here, you know, his uh, goal was to do and purpose is to do He does a lot of charity, a lot of helping kids and so forth. Hmm. He started with the company. He told me, um, and he was doing, I think it was like 18,000 a month, something like that. And, uh, and he was in a building in downtown Philly with like 36 other clients. I mean, 36 other practices, right? Oh, wow. Um, and it was just him and a couple of staff. And he told me that he was like at his wits end. It was like crazy. And he did our training and immediately he increased his production. And he, I mean, now fast forward, he is now a CEO. He did go from chair site to CEO. And now he does a Zoom meeting once a week on Fridays just to check in with the team because he actually lives in New York now. And wow. mostly volunteer work. And he did lots of great things during COVID. He helps kids with computers so they could study tons of volunteer. And that's why I work here is because of successes like him mm-hmm. where he starts out, you know, he's got this great purpose, but he's, he's not doing well. And now he's just phenomenally successful. And I think he was doing like 350,000 a month from 18,000 a month, you know, and the, we trained his whole team and it's just a smooth running practice. And he's a CEO. Um, He's now helping others because of his success. Yeah. That's why I decided to work here. Wow. That's awesome. Um, You guys have talked a lot about the sales side of things, but it also sounds like there's a lot of um, that, that, 
the purpose driven, like helping people actually find what is the purpose for what they're doing. Anthony, you've talked a few times about, you know, helping people who have a a bigger vision than just, I want to do some more crowns uh, all day long, right? That they actually want to do something with that. How does that come into play with the conversation that you, you have during the training? You know, it's, um, it really is about, I mean, some, some people, they just want to be able to, you know, pay the bills Mm -hmm. and others have great, huge goals and they want to, it really is the individual, Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I know from talking personally with a thousand dentists that we help them achieve their goals. They will help others. They just do. They're very kind people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we just celebrated our owner's conference, which is kind of like when you do all the training. Oh. Uh, weeks ago and we had a nice uh, charity with the american tooth fairy and and just in a in like 40 minutes we helped raise almost forty thousand dollars for the american tooth fairy which is a charitable organization helping kids who can't afford so you know That's so awesome. we you know it's it's really uh, i see it as inevitable when we help them they will help others I didn't know that there was an American tooth fairy. I thought all tooth fairies were for everybody, but that's. <laughs> there is, there is. I, I know. I didn't know there was a Spanish tooth fairy and a Japanese tooth fairy. I thought it was. Well, yeah. I just, you know, I haven't met the Spanish one, but uh, I'm sure they exist. So that sounds like a cool charity there. That, that's really neat. So um, how did COVID affect you guys, Jeff? What, like with not, you guys do a lot of in-person meetings. You uh, definitely have a lot of people that come out to do those courses with you. how did COVID affect you? I remember um, when it all happened and we were a road-based crew. I mean, like our area, what Anthony and I do, um, and we've been doing it, I've been doing it since 2011, is we traveled all over the United States and Canada delivering free seminars. We delivered our new patient workshop in nine cities, you know, across the U.S. And uh, as it was all coming down the line, we're like, whoa, what is going to happen here? And I remember thinking like, you know, it is going to be scary, but if we can pivot and get through it, like we're going to come through it in such a way that we'll be able to offer more than we ever could in the past. And that's, that's exactly what happened. You know, we had to, we, we had to shut down our travel team and basically we're doing our new patient workshops, our free seminars online via zoom. They're interactive. They're a lot of fun. Our communication sales seminars has transitioned to in-person and online over 80% of the training has transitioned to you no longer need to be here. When I was a client, if that were capable, I would have saved myself thousands of dollars right? trying to train my yeah. staff. And who, who wasn't I going to train because I can't fly them to Florida? Now you just put them in front of the computer. They watch it. They get it. They're all on the same page. It has been a, like, what a fantastic. And it's true for every business that makes it through this. Every business that survives this will come out of it stronger. The things they have put in to make themselves survive Yep. The things that are going to strengthen them in the end. Has it opened you up to outside of Northern America? Yeah, we've had, uh, I think we've had somebody attend the new patient from India. Uh, wow. We've had a, a lot of interest from Australia, but the time zone is like almost it's exactly crazy. Different. It's a little bit tough. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Dubai, you know, Portugal, Thailand, Taiwan. England. It's crazy. Yeah. That's great. That I agree with you. I think that it's one of those things that at first it was like a oh no moment. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. If everybody's on board, because before there were people who were trying to do, you know, right. uh, virtual events. I, I've been doing virtual stuff since 2010. But when it comes to events, like, they'd be like, oh, you can Skype in or you can Zoom in. And 
they became the people you forgot about during the event because you know they're <laughs> they're on Zoom. Like no one's thinking about them. And yet now it's so accepted that I don't think it'll ever go away. And I think it'll be something that we can now see as a benefit to our businesses of being able to say, well, if you can't come in person, we have the virtual option and cool, like, great. So, you know, I gotta, I gotta tell you something, Dino, we, we've now had clients who we've never even seen in person who've done our training and they are doing out the roof, like Mm. amazing. And so it's, it's actually uh, the, I agree. It's, it's actually, we're actually reaching more people now than ever. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's great now. Well, the principles are the principles, right? If you have something that works, it doesn't matter if it's necessarily in person. Sure. It's nice to be around people. I like in-person events too. I love being on stages and the principles are the principles. If you can translate those principles through the screen, if you actually work them, they'll work. Yeah. So it's super important. Wow. Well, you guys, this has been so educational about what you do and how, you know, you're able to really transform practices. I hope everybody listening really gets the idea that my purpose of the show always is to bring the best practices to you and to help you. And listen, if this is your first time listening to the show, you might not know this, but if you've heard 10 episodes of the show, you know that I'm a huge fan of the sales process is understanding it, that every team members should understand they're actually in sales too, whether it be that 20 person, 20 year old person at the front desk or you as the doctor, but that your obligation as a business owner is to bring in more money and to grow the business. That's the obligation. That's why you're in business. It's why you're not running a nonprofit charity, which you still need money for, but we won't get into that. So we've come to a part of our show, you guys, that we always do, which is it's basically our lightning round where we ask you six questions that we ask everybody. And it's just the first answer that comes to the top of your head. Are you both willing to play? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So what do you feel is the most expensive thing that private practice owners are missing in their practice? Ding, ding, ding. All right, Anthony, you go first. So that one is, um, you know, it's actually their lost income. It's the amount of money that they didn't make that day because they're Good not point. trained. The money they left on the table. Yep. Yeah, so true. What about you, Scott? What about you, Jeff? Uh, I'm going to go with themselves. They are missing from the practice. They're just not all in. They're just in one area and they're not in the rest of it. And that's costing them a lot of money. Wow. Deep thoughts by Jack Handy there. That's a really good <laughs> I love one. love Jack wow, Handy. That's good, man. That's, that's good. <laughs> All right. Uh, number two, what is a book that you believe every private practice owner should read? Um, I would say, you know, there is a book by a practice owner, um, uh, Dr. Greg Winterag, and it's called Fun at Work. I think that's a good practice. I think that's a good book because it is by a practice owner who successfully um, had fun at work and achieved his goals. So, yeah, that's good. That's great. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I really like this book and I remember listening to it. Uh, the obstacle is the way is it's, the way yeah, uh, I think it's Ryan holiday. It's, it's a great book. It's just, how do you turn obstacles into advantage? You know, and I, I really like that book. And I think if more people thought that way about realizing that what I'm facing right now is the way that I get a lean in, mm-hmm. you know, I can actually make this to my advantage. Uh, COVID was a great example of that. Yeah. Uh, virtual is a great example of that. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Well, speaking of books and my book, The Practice RX, I focus a lot on team culture and team performance as the foundation for business growth. What do you see is the biggest challenge that your private practice owners are telling you that they're facing when it comes to their team and their office culture? Jeff, you want to go that first? Well, uh, they usually tell us one right now. They can't find anybody. I don't know if yeah, you for sure. But let's take that off the table, right? Yeah. I can't find anybody. Um, the other one is that we used to hear is just like, I don't have a team that does what, you know, they don't support me. Mm. And um, I often turn it around. I'd say, well, did you give them metrics? Did you give them training? You know, how could they possibly support you when you haven't told them how to support you, except for answer the phone? Or Which is fascinating, right? Are you supporting them so they can support you? Them? Yeah. yeah. And so it's, I, I feel like uh, that's probably the, number one thing. And they could do a lot more to support these guys. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, and Anthony. I, I, I agree with Jeff. The only thing I would add is 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 games. You yeah. know, uh, offices like games, having something to go towards, having something to achieve. But again, that falls back on the owner by not being business trained. Like you need games. You need to keep it fun. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I use a quote when I'm uh, getting ready to get on stage. Most people will. That's in my bio about how there's so much research that shows that uh, your intelligence increases by 31% when you're in a positive and fun environment. Yeah. Why would you not want everybody in your office to be smarter? Like right. people that go to work dreading things and feeling like, when's my doc, doc going to yell at me or how am I going to mess this up? Like, gosh, make it fun and pleasant and they'll be smarter. They just will. Um, all right. Question number four is something that we have to get into, which is, Man, how can people reach out to you? How can they find out more about MGE and what you guys are up to and when you're doing a next event? Okay, good. Well, the, the two ways is go to uh, mgeonline.com. Mm. So mgeonline.com. That's where we have, we we show our free seminars. Every every other week we're delivering free seminars for, oh, wow. for CE credits. Um, and they're great topics, you know? So that's one way. If you have any questions, you can just call us and the number's 1-800-640-1140. Awesome. That's great. Love it. Okay. Number five, what is the best advice that you've ever received in life or business? Jeff? It's a game. Have fun, you know, and uh, the, it gets back to what you were saying. And that was, they, they always say to you when you're down, you're like, eh. but it was true. You know, if you can make it a game, it, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's true. I think the best advice I got is that any area in your life where you don't feel confident, it just simply means that you're lacking knowledge in that area. Yep. You know, if, you, if you're like, I don't know what to do about this. Well, you need to find out more about this. Mm -hmm. and, okay. and I don't know. Uh, I think it's Brendan Burchard who does the thing where he says, I don't know about this yet. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's just a matter of having that mindset of yet. I will get to it. Exactly. All right. Last question. What is the best resource or tool that every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice? Oh, I would say themselves. Um, I mean, as far as a tool, they've kind of taken themselves out of the business equation. And if they put themselves in the equation and get themselves trained, that's the best tool they could ever have because then they're not relying on anybody else but themselves. Yeah, that's true. What about you, Jeff? What do you think? I'm on that same boat. I think it's really, they are the most important part of the practice. So they're the first employee, they're the last. And so um, the more they could put into themselves, the, the better it's going to be for them. 
one of my uh, financial advisors always talks about this idea that you are the most important asset in your business. Invest more in you. Like I know everybody's hot on Bitcoin right now and whatever crypto, but how, like you are the most important asset. Invest in you first before you start putting money elsewhere. Um, go to the courses, find out more information, learn how to overcome your fear of sales and uh, uh, dealing with objections, learn how to be a better leader and a business owner. I mean, that's just, that's the smart investment and it's going to pay off way more. Your ROI on that is way more than, you know, finding a new investment to put money into or a new laser. Right. So totally. So true. We have the same viewpoint. Well, you guys, this has been uh, such an educational time. I really appreciate you being here. And especially knowing that we had the star of a party called Earth right here on our own show. Like that is that is a first. That lead oh, actor awesome. of the that is amazing. And we will never let you forget that, Anthony. So <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, you know, I need to. So I maybe I will do more acting and, and and do another movie, and then I'll update you. Okay, I'll give you okay, link. all right. Yeah, you have to update your IMDb profile to see what's <laughs> right. going on. Well, you guys, seriously, you know, in all sincerity, thank you so much for sharing your information or wisdom with us and sharing these best practices, which everyone listening to hopefully was edified through and took a lot of notes. So I really appreciate you guys being here. And thanks for inviting us, Dino. I really appreciate it. You're you're an awesome individual, and and thanks thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, everybody, again, thank you for listening to another episode of the Propreneur Podcast. As always, our goal here is to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. And today was definitely no short of a shortage of that information. Being able to share with you that information is what we do here and how important it is to us. And we really do appreciate you sharing this information with other people. So as you're out there making yourself more productive, profitable, and uh, make sure that you share knowledge information with others, but check out MGE on their website. Go to mgeonline.com. See, like again, as I always say on the show, it's just a matter of, of getting information. It can't hurt you. You can just learn more and you can do better. So thank you. We'll see you all on the next episode, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.